Why don't you guys just come up and be seated right along here? How's that? Just be seated right here, face this way. Bells, come on up. TJ, you want to come? Oh, no. You're a little bit. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Have a seat right there. Okay. I bet nobody could guess what this is. Ah, okay, what is it? A kite. A kite. Anybody fly a kite before? No. No? Joe, you got to work on that. They need to learn how to fly one of these things. <laughs> okay. So you fly these kites and you see them go up in the air. And uh, how, do, how do they go up? How do they get up in, in the air? What happens? The wind, the wind blows it up there. Okay. How many of you ever seen the wind? Ah, that was a trick question, was it? Yeah. You've never seen the wind, have you? So how do you know the wind is there? <laughs> how do you know the wind is there? Things happen, okay? You, you, you see, move things, right? Right? So, so that's what happens. You don't see the air, but you see what it does. You maybe hear the sound of it. Sometimes we hear the wind and it's like really powerful and loud. You wake up in the morning and think, wow, it's really windy outside. You can't see the wind, but you hear all the noise. Or maybe you see it moving things. And like you said, you see the tree branches. Or, or maybe you go out and you feel it, don't you? Blow on the back of your hand there for a minute. Do you feel that? Yeah. Do you feel this? No, not yet. Not yet? Now do you feel it? Yes. No, I don't feel it at all. Now you do, okay. So this is what happens. You don't see the air, you can't see the air, but you can see the effect of it. You see that things are moving because of that air. Do you know what Jesus said? He was meeting with a, a, a religious leader named Nicodemus. John chapter 3 tells us about it. And he said to Nicodemus, he said, you know, the wind moves wherever it wants to. You don't see it. But you see the effect of it. And the Spirit is like that. The Holy Spirit of God is like that. And what he was saying was, we can't see the Spirit of God. He's invisible. But we know the Spirit is God, of God is there because we may hear him. We may hear his voice. We may hear him speak to us. He may speak through the Bible. We may speak through another Christian. He may speak to our hearts. And we see it moving. We see it moving in the world. We see it doing things. And so we know the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us. And sometimes, sometimes we feel the Holy Spirit. We feel Him in our hearts. We feel a change coming in us. We feel God moving in our lives in a direct way. So even though you can't see the Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit is there because you hear Him, because He moves things, and because you feel Him. And this is what we're going to talk about today for the adults. Because the Holy Spirit is something that's invisible, something that we can't just, just grab like this, like we might some solid object, but we know he's powerful, that he's strong, and that he's moving in our lives because the evidence is there. And that's what we want to talk about today. Would you just pray with me for a minute? Would you kids do that, please? Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is moving. We thank you that he is uh, a part of our lives and that he's changing things. And we, we hear him. We Feel him, and uh, we pray today that these children will know in a very real way your presence in their lives. 
And that as they become Christians, that they would know the Holy Spirit just to live inside of them and to guide them and to strengthen them and to be with them throughout their life here on earth. Uh, We pray for your blessing upon these children in particular today as they've come up here for this lesson. And be upon all of our hearts as we continue learning today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Would you return to your seats, please? Rodney Dangerfield has passed away now, uh, about 10 years ago as a matter of fact, and uh, yet he was a guy that made a career, he made a pretty good living off about talking how uh, disrespected he was. Remember him? Uh, he he uh, often used this catchphrase, I don't get no respect. <laughs> and so he tells stories about how people disrespected him. And uh, he would say things like this, I don't get no respect. My mother had morning sickness after I was born. <laughs> or, uh, I don't get no respect. When I was born, the doctor slapped my mother. <laughs> um, I was so ugly, my mother used to feed me with a slingshot. <laughs> you know, I was lost, and I asked a cop to help me find my parents. Do you think we'll find them? I asked him, and he said, I don't know. There's so many places for them to hide. <laughs> Uh, I looked up my family tree, he said, and I found out that I was the sap. <laughs> my, my, psychist, my psychiatrist told me I was crazy, and I said, I want a second opinion. He says, okay, you're ugly, too. <laughs> he says, oh, I don't get any respect. And so he made a career off of that, just getting people to kind of laugh at ourselves as he laughed at himself. There is someone very close to us, someone that, that is nearby all of us as Christians, who gets a lot of disrespect also, who gets disrespected a lot of times, and he's the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God who lives in the, inside each of us. And I say he gets disrespected because we do things like this. We, we ignore him. We don't listen to him. We don't acknowledge his presence. Sometimes we refuse him uh, any leeway in our lives, any guidance, any, any direction in our lives. We, we don't feel accountable to him. And even though he's the Spirit of God living inside of us, we just kind of push him away and we disrespect him when we do that. Sometimes we could even go for days or even weeks without thinking about him at all. I think that's pretty disrespectful. Because the Holy Spirit is given to us as one of the greatest gifts God has ever brought to our lives. He has has been given to us to bless us, to grow us, to uh, bring us to maturity, to help us do whatever God wants us to do with our lives. And we just kind of push Him to the side and say, only when I need you will I ask for you. Only when I'm desperate will I call on you and, and, and acknowledge your presence. Francis Chan called the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. And he wrote a book by that title. He remarked this way. He said, In the American church today, we have found a variety of ways to systematically neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. And many people haven't even noticed. You know, the church goes right on as if it's okay. You don't even need to talk about the Holy Spirit. We know there's a problem, he says, but many of us don't know what's going on and what we're missing. We don't value the Holy Spirit as much as Jesus did. Because he said in John 663, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So Chan brings out this point that we have learned to downplay, to discredit 
the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to the point that he's almost missing from a lot of churches today. You notice that? You notice in a lot of churches, the Holy Spirit isn't talked about. He's not not really uh, generated, not really encouraged, not really uh, uh, brought into the presence of, of the worship or, or maybe in our lives. And so he's kind of pushed off. We And, and, and uh, we have ideas about him that are pretty strong, strong ideas of what you should say and what you shouldn't say. And so he has to start off there by saying, you know, we have these, these uh, concepts, these, these, uh, these ideas of what the Holy Spirit should or, not, should or should not do and should not be. And in a particular church, it may be never talk about him. You don't bring him up at all because somebody's going to be afraid that you're going to get all charismatic on him. You know, you're going to be all Pentecostal all of a sudden because you simply talked about the Holy Spirit. Or if you talk about listening to the Holy Spirit or, or getting in touch with the Holy Spirit, people get uncomfortable about that in other churches. And then the others who are in churches where they are more Pentecostal or more open, more expressive about their worship or their engagement with the Holy Spirit, then they're, they're kind of looking down their nose at the conservative churches that never bring him up, you know, as if they have nothing to do with him and they don't even understand him at all. Others speak of the Holy Spirit in, in uh, theoretical terms, or they, they maybe do kind of a scholarly study of the Holy Spirit and find out all about him, but they never, never get personal, never get intimate with the Holy Spirit that actually lives inside of them. And then there's that rare person who never really talks about the Holy Spirit and yet lives by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit is so evident in their lives, they don't have to talk about the Holy Spirit because they're engaging with Him all the time. They're very intimately involved with the Holy Spirit and He's using their lives to God's glory. So there's this great variety of responses. I don't know where you are today. Some of you may think, I don't want to talk about this. Some of you may think, we need to talk about this. Some of you may think this church is not really tapped into the Holy Spirit. And others think, you know, we just, just that's okay. Let's leave it that way because it's uncomfortable or it's, it's something I really don't want to deal with. Where do you find yourself this morning? Are you open? Are you closed to the Holy Spirit, to the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, this morning we're going to start on a new study. A new study of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn from the Scriptures why the Holy Spirit was given to us, what the purpose was and everything. And today we're going to be talking about who is the Holy Spirit. But it's more than just a study. It's more than just education. It's more than just information. We want through this study to grow closer to the Holy Spirit. We want to grow closer to God as we realize His indwelling presence in our lives. And we want to open up to the Spirit and to all the possibilities and all the, the, the potential that comes from a relationship with Him. For He is God in us. He is God relating to us, dwelling with us, and that is a very, very big deal. Now, why are we starting this study then? What goal should we have? Well, my personal goal is not that we would just become more informed or more knowledgeable, but that we would end up being more spirit-filled. And that means that we are more controlled by the Spirit. We are more influenced by the Spirit. And we are living lives as the Spirit of God wants us to. The purpose of this study is to explore the person of the Holy Spirit and to re reflect on His power to work in and through each of us. It's not enough 
just to believe in the Holy Spirit's power back in the book of Acts or in the church generally. It's time for each of us to develop a relationship with the Spirit and to begin following His leading in our lives. So, first question, who is the Holy Spirit? That's that's the first question of the day. Well, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God Himself. Just as the Father is God and the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. There are these three persons of God that we can relate to. There is the creative Father, God, who is our Heavenly Father and and, uh, the author of creation and and the one that that, uh, spoke to Moses and Abraham and, and led the children of Israel. And there is God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, God come to earth in the flesh, showing us how to live and then dying for us on the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus left the earth, then the Holy Spirit came. And the Spirit came in a spiritual, invisible way to every believer's heart. He is God Himself. He is God living inside every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ. Well, why did Jesus give us the Spirit? Well, that's what we want to learn about today. Why, why did He leave and then send the Holy Spirit? What did He say was the purpose for giving His Spirit to His disciples? What should, should they have expected the Holy Spirit to do once He came, according to Jesus' own words? Well, let's go back to the Last Supper. We're going to turn to John chapter 14. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. And we're going to read from John 14 and John 16 today. This Last Supper, when Jesus was meeting his disciples for the Passover meal, uh, this was the night of his betrayal, the night before his crucifixion. And so he's trying to get to them the final messages he could could convey. This is his last time to, to really have a lengthy conversation with them. And he knows they're concerned because he's already forewarned them several times, uh, I'm going to uh, be taken by evil men. They're going to beat me. They're going to torture me. They're going to eventually kill me. I'm going to be buried, but I will rise again on the third day. And he's, he's, he knows that this has been a hard message for them to hear, and they're, they're just heartbroken, really. And they're meeting around the table, and uh, he wants to tell them, you know, I'm leaving, but There's some good news here. I want you to know something else. Look at John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, at least you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Skip down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Skip clear down to chapter 16 now, please. John 16, verse 6. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. What was Jesus saying here about the Holy Spirit and comforting these, these distraught disciples? What was he promising those frightened disciples there in the upper room? He was saying, I am going away. I've told you that. It's going to happen. It's going to happen pretty soon. But I will send my spirit to be with you forever. The spirit will come to each of you, and that will be better than if I stayed here physically with you. This spirit, by coming in a spiritual form rather than a physical body, could be with all of them at the same time wherever they went. See the advantage of that? Jesus' limited body could only be with a certain group of people at one time, and then he had to go somewhere else. And even though after the resurrection he had a pretty fantastic resurrection body, you know, that didn't have to eat, didn't have to sleep, could go through walls and appear in other places, he still could only be one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit could be with all of us at the same time. This Spirit, he says, is the Counselor. He's the Spirit of Truth. He lives inside of us. He's, he lives to guide us, to teach us everything God wants us to know. He is our peace, Jesus said. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be troubled about anything. Because He is our Comforter, will be with us. And He will give us courage whenever we need it. Out in the world, the Spirit is God's convictor, God's uh, convincer of the world that the judgment is coming and people need to turn back to God and they need to get their hearts right with God. So he, lo he convicts lost people of their need to repent, to turn back. He convinces us of whatever is true and right and good. And how does the Holy Spirit help believers from inside of us? Well, he said it. He says he's going to guide you. Day after day, He's going to lead you into the truth. He's going to give you comfort. He's going to give you a sense of security. He's going to hold you accountable for your behavior, yes. For your choices, yes. But He's going to teach you the right way to live. He is the power of God to help you do things that we could not do on our own. And He strengthens us as we do our work for Christ and to give testimony to Christ to the world around us. Well, how does the Bible describe a spirit-filled believer? A spirit-filled life. This is a life of godliness. This is a life of purity. A life where the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these things start coming out because the Holy Spirit has influence in your life and you start becoming a better person than you were before. This is a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of direction where you know what God wants you to do in your life that you didn't know before. Maybe in terms even of, of your, your life's mate, if you get married, 
or maybe your career, the job you do, the ministry that you do, all of these directions, all of these these ideas and, and decisions are influenced by the Holy Spirit who has a purpose for your life. This is a life of power, supernatural power. And you're able to do things under the influence of the Holy Spirit that you would never be able to do by yourself. Now we see in the book of Acts in particular, as you read through that, how the Holy Spirit changed the lives of men and women who surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. We read about people like Peter and, and James and Stephen and Barnabas and Paul. And, and we read about so many people who when they gave their lives to Christ and they started living under the power of the Spirit, they became different. They were changed. They were transformed. They were never the same. They were filled with courage. They testified boldly to others about their faith in Jesus as the only Savior of the world. They could not be silenced. They could not be stopped. They had settled a question in their hearts, who is in charge of my life? And they had yielded to the Holy Spirit. They belonged to Jesus. And He was calling the shots, not them. The power of God was displayed in them as they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus and the salvation that is found only in Him. In a word... They were on fire for God once the Holy Spirit had grabbed their hearts. The poet William Blake wrote a poem about Pentecost and the giving of the Holy Spirit to all believers. Part of his poem says this, Unless the eye catch fire, God will not be seen. Unless the ear catch fire, God will not be heard. Unless the tongue catch fire, God will not be named. Unless the heart catch fire, God will not be loved. Unless the mind catch fire, God will not be known. And that is what happens to all Christians who are filled with the Spirit of God. They catch on fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and their lives are powered by the Spirit of God. Isn't this what is missing in today's church? Isn't it the power of God? Are we not guilty sometimes of doing church on our own? Are we not guilty sometimes of, of making our plans, making our our budgets, making our dreams, making our goals, all kind of human-sized. We see how we could do this, how we could raise the money, how we could get the people involved, how we could accomplish a certain program or plan, and we plan according to what humans could do if they all got together and they worked hard. Instead of planning and dreaming and envisioning what the church could do if the Holy Spirit was in charge. The power of God needs to be unleashed in the church today. Francis Chan asks, have you ever observed Christians and non-Christians interacting? In many cases, it is all but impossible to discern who has the Spirit and who doesn't. They look the same, they act the same, they're doing the same things, and you don't know who's a Christian and who's not. Sure, the Christians, he said, may be a little nicer. They may be more morally conscientious. They might be kinder people in some ways. But is that really all that the Holy Spirit came to do in our lives? Shouldn't the difference be supernatural? Shouldn't the difference be that the Christian is filled by the Spirit of God and their lives will never be the same? And so he wrote, look at Galatians 5.16 again. 
which says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Perhaps we've gotten so caught up trying to live the Christian life that we've overlooked the source of the Christian life. He says, life change comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. At times we try so hard, but if we have forgotten about the Holy Spirit, then we're missing the whole point. As we continue these lessons these next three weeks, I have a question for you to consider. Are you open to the Holy Spirit? Do you sense that your heart is open to the Holy Spirit? Are you really open to the Holy Spirit? Are you open to His leading? Are you open to His influence? Are you open to His direction? Are you open to His discipline? Are you open to His accountability? Are you open to to Him showing you things that you didn't see before and getting you to do things you can't imagine doing as you follow His lead? I hope you are, because the Holy Spirit's not someone to fear. He's not someone to, to avoid or someone to ignore or to disrespect. He is someone to trust. He is someone to want more and more of. He is, is someone to listen to and obey. He is God's Spirit, and He is God's power given to every believer. And so we need to learn to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. Francis Chan closes the first chapter of his book with an analogy of a butterfly. A caterpillar and a butterfly. A caterpillar starts off as a worm and he becomes a butterfly. Think of the confusion, he says, it must experience when it turns from a caterpillar into a butterfly. This is what he says. He says, for all of its caterpillar life, it crawls around a small patch of dirt and up and down a few plants. Then one day it takes a nap, a long nap. And then what in the world must go through its head when it wakes up to discover it can fly? What happened to its dirty, plump little worm body? What does it think when it sees its thin new body and gorgeous wings? And it takes off from that branch for the first time. As believers, he says, we ought to experience this same kind of astonishment when the Holy Spirit enters our bodies. We should be stunned in disbelief over becoming a new creation with the Spirit living in us. As the caterpillar finds its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our Spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. So here's the question I leave you with this morning. Are you living like a caterpillar or a butterfly? Are you still back where you were, living pretty much you did before you became a Christian? Or are you experiencing that transformation and that new life that God is bringing you through the Holy Spirit? Is the Spirit of God transforming you day by day? I asked the children this morning, can you hear the wind? Can you see it moving? Can you feel it? Then you know it exists. And the same is true of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do we hear Him speaking? Do we see Him moving in the church? Do we feel Him moving in our own hearts? Has the Holy Spirit totally changed your life? Do you wish that He would? Well, if you open your heart to Him, 
I promise you that he will. Let's pray together. Lord, as we worship you today, as we listen to your word, I pray that our hearts would be open to you and that we would uh, be ready for the Holy Spirit to do whatever work he wants to do in our lives. Uh, We admit, we confess that we have sometimes disrespected him. We've ignored him. We've, We've failed to listen, to hear him. And we acknowledge our need for you. We acknowledge the difference that the Holy Spirit can make in our lives. And we open our hearts to you now. Draw close to us, Lord, as we draw close to you. Help us to experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. There will be aspects to that that are that are kind of scary. Uh, we won't be in charge. We won't be in control of that. And we get nervous when that happens. But we open our hearts to you, Lord, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would guide us, would move us. And that your Holy Spirit would move in this church and move in our ministry and move in the work that we do for you. Be with our leaders, Lord. Help our leaders to dream, to envision things that only the Holy Spirit could accomplish that our, our goals would be bigger than what we could ever accomplish as human beings because your Holy Spirit is in us and he is, is uh, empowering and enabling us to do things so much bigger than we would normally think about. We pray for our own lives, our individual lives, our families, our relationships. And we pray, Lord, that you would, uh, you would have your impact and your influence there. And we would not get in your way. We would not shield off areas of our life, but we would be totally open to you. Help us to open our hearts to you now as we continue worshiping you through song, through communion time. May you be praised, not only in this hour, but in every hour of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to invite you to sing this morning a song that